Good afternoon, friends. Tis another grand and glorious day. Eh, maybe our last one for a few in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thanks for being here. We're going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in our trademark energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news, politics. Uh, we're going to talk about the parade. There'll be, there's going to be a theme here. There may be, there may be a bit, maybe a bit of an Irish theme here today, you know, because that's what we do. It's coming up. And even though the weather is not looking great, uh, tomorrow, Saturday's going to be fine. The sun will shine. It'll be great. It's going to be wonderful. We're also talk uh, about, you know, some, some other stuff. It's not all news and politics, but it's a lot. Uber producer Dan Peters is here in studio to keep you updated on the latest news and weather. Thanks for spending some time with Dan and I today. There are a lot of ways you can listen to the show. A lot of you are out there on your radios at Information 1000 KSO. We do appreciate that. But remember, we're always streamed live on KSO.com, wherever you are. And the fabulous, fabulous KSO mobile app available on all your app stores. You can get one-touch streaming. You get news and weather and all that. And also push notifications so you can be alerted to the latest that's going on in our world. We're on Facebook Live, of course, and Twitter. And if you go to Twitter, just go to at P. Lally Show, and you can follow along with the updates throughout the, throughout the proceedings here and also get links and such to the things that we are speaking about. You know, oftentimes you don't remember you know, a website or a phone number or what have you, an email, and you can just pop back to the Twitter feed. And oftentimes Dan has posted that for you during the show. Um, now, Dan, you were just talking about the weather. You know, I hate to, hate to focus on the weather, but that's kind of what we do. I'm, I got to tell you, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I, I should know better by now to pay attention to any forecast that's beyond about 48 hours, right? You would be accurate in that statement, although it is good to be prepared yeah. for any type of weather condition that can arise during basketball state tournament time. Yeah. You know, I was once involved, a, a, a privy to a study of the, the weather. Everybody said, oh, it's basketball time. It's going to be a storm. And it happens on time. But there's no evidence to suggest that it is even, at, at any rate, even frequent during basketball tournament season. No, basically, you're just looking for someone or something to blame. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So we're going to have this little dust up. But it's going to be, I mean, I, I still am not going to believe that there's like five. What's the prediction? Five, three, two, one. Why? Three to five. But it's going to be raining at the same time. So not at the same time. It kind of will depend on when the rain changes to snow. The uh, earlier, that means it's worse. But then it's going to be around for the parade. That's what bugs me. They'll still it'll be a big sloshy mess down there downtown. Oh no. No, no, no. I think, no. So? I think okay. Galen Huber and the well, city yeah. of Street in the he runs the street department by Saturday. It says chance of freezing drizzle before 8 a.m., but cloudy in 39. Well, that's not terrible. But still, it's going to be not exactly a sparkling day to be aware of the green. You know, one time I remember before the uh, uh, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve celebration there in Times Square in, uh, in New York City, it snowed, and they, they went out there with, like, flamethrowers and just melted it down. We could do that, right? Clear out Phillips Avenue. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> do you think Galen Huber in the in the crowd they got flamethrowers at their disposal? No, we had enough trouble to get in the snow gates in town. <laughs> I the flamethrowers. New. No. Uh, I love the idea. Why didn't they when we redo these streets, you know, like downtown, just put in heating elements. Just flip that baby on, gone. Smooth. That's what I want to see. Let's start some crowdfunding, some crowdsourcing <laughs> for that deal. Solar paneled, solar driven uh, heating elements in our streets. That's what I want. I mean, if we can have snow gates, for gosh sakes, why can't we have heated streets? I'd, I'd pay for that. Some engineering friend of yours or mine, should uh, we should get a, in and a patent on that thing and then have them develop it. 
Yeah, I like that idea. Actually, I have an engineer, my, my, one of my brothers, not the tuba player and accordion playing brother. My other brother is actually, he has a PhD in mechanical engineering. He maybe could do this. And this would be our ticket, right? Our ticket to uh, uh, wild fame and wealth. Anything north of Omaha, I think, would be a willing participant <laughs> yeah, in an experiment right. like that. That would be awesome. Um, speaking of basketball, it is the big – so this weekend is the big A boys and girls tournament in Sioux Falls. They're running them uh, at the same time. Now, apparently we did this last year in Rapid, too. And the year before that, 2016 in Sioux Falls. Okay, so we're coming back. This is going to be a big deal, right? This is This is like the ideal thing where you just have – you have it all at one time. Huge. It's going to be huge. Huge. The rest of the boys' tournaments are in, uh, rapid in Huron or whatever. No, actually, the B is always in Aberdeen. Aberdeen, yeah. That and place. then the other one is in Rapid Cité. Rapid Cité. <laughs> and, but the, the big schools, they're going to be the boys and girls playing. So, like, the last day on Saturday, I think you there's the boys and girls championships. That's pretty cool. And that the, is correct. And I don't even know who's any good anymore. We had Jerry Jerry uh, P. in here, Pileshi, from ESPN not so long ago, and he gave us the big rundown on who's good. But now I don't even remember. Watertown? Well, I will no. tell you that the there, we have got this Sweet 16 format now. Yeah. And Douglas and Yankton are the two that are loving it the most because they were like number 10 and number 11, respectively. So they are in the tournament. They continue on. Really? Yes. So they beat the number six and the number seven seeds, respectively, and so they bounced them out. Really? Yeah. Well, good for Douglas. They never win anything. No, and I'm, I think they. I remember they had they had one good basketball player. He was a freshman, and that was probably early '90s. But but since then, they have not had much in the way of of. And they were Class A basketball for a long time, but the uh, the enrollment that they have there and in the Douglas High School is such that it's now a double A classification. So we're rooting for Douglas in this thing then. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> no, well, I don't know. No. You gonna you're gonna throw old Gorman to the no, wolves? Old Gorman's in there. Uh is uh Washington in there? What are those Sioux Falls schools that are in that thing? So it's Harrisburg and Washington playing yeah. at seven and Jerry P will have that action tonight at seven on ESPN. Yeah. yeah. And then I got Yankton and Lincoln tonight oh. on KSOO. So I'll be heading out to the arena after I'm done here. Well, that's pretty cool. Voice of the Sky Force, now voice of the uh, Patriots? Or at least this one game. Yeah. And then, uh, so those are the, and and those games are today. Those are the boys' games. But there are some other games going on today, this afternoon. Is that how it works? Yes. Um, Yeah, they started, let's see, the the boys started at, well, actually just right now tipping off with Rapid City Stevens and O'Gorman and then Central and Douglas. Got it. And the girls are playing at the same time, and there's a bunch of Sioux Falls schools in there, too. I know. Michael Gorman's in there, right? And I see. I can't keep up with all of it anymore. Yeah, they have the seventh and eighth place games, ten o'clock Saturday morning for the girls, eleven forty-five for the boys. Then they go one thirty-three fifteen for third and fourth, and then the girls championship at five, boys championship seven thirty Saturday at the Premier Center. Right on. And how many of those games do you get to listen to here on uh, one of uh, KSO or ESPN? Well, Enjoy. that kind of depends on who oh, finishes where. Got it. Because if if a Sioux Falls team is involved, it yeah. will be covered mostly on ESPN. But yeah. just the one game tonight on KSOO with Lincoln and Yankton, but then the rest of them will be on ESPN tomorrow and then Saturday. That's ESPN FM ninety point ninety nine point one. You can hear Jerry P call those games. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because we're not going to do a Douglas. We're not going to do that. No, not a Douglas Rapid City. No, point, no, no, no Douglas the, Yankton. Speaking of basketball, before we get off basketball, uh, what? The state state men, there's they're they're playing in some tournament, right? Yeah, I believe they have tipped off. Um, ooh, here we go. Seven to five, SDSU with sixteen twenty left in the half. <gasps> Seven to five, states up. Now, here's what I know that we can basically make fun of the Jackrabbits for two hours now because none of those people are listening, right? Well, I would imagine their yeah, their attention is is peaked well, it's on the limited. television. We already know that they have limited attention spans. So there's that. 
No, we'll be we'll be paying attention to that game. Maybe we'll get some updates as we go through for you more casual fans out there who want to know what's going on with State against Ohio State out in Boise. The Ohio State. The Ohio State, Ohio State University. Um, so we'll pay attention to that and see how – because a lot of people pick them as an upset. Oh, yeah. 12-5, but I, I'm not buying it. The coin did go in their favor on my bracket. Flip oh, really? the coin on them, yeah. Right on. Well, we'll be following. We can follow along with your bracket on the uh, bracket challenge at KSO.com. That's right. That's yeah, we were. I, yeah, we were. We had almost almost nine hundred people oh. join up on ours. So that was cool. That is impressive. You can win some big money on that. Uh, speaking of big money, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests are City Council candidate Janet Brecky. She's going to be here in the second hour, about four thirty, and we'll talk to her about her bid for council. She, of course, is a former city attorney. The Boone Man is calling in from parts unknown. Actually, I know where he is. He's supposed to be calling. Well, it, well, we'll get him. Let, let's just say that. We're going to get him. Uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade Marshal Pat Murphy is going to be with us. That's Patrick Michael Murphy to you people. And I'll have the PL statement just after. I should say this, too. I'm, I'm going to play some. We're just going to take a, a moment to just play some Irish music later in the show and maybe talk about it a little bit. I play a lot of Irish songs on here, or I have a, a selection. I'm going to play a couple of them. We'll talk about them a little bit. I will have a PL statement after the break. Today's topic is Trump and trade. Trump and trade. I've been on trade for a while. I'm going to stay on it today. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 322 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, yeah, getting closer to free here on the PL statement today. And I got just a little bit to talk about here in terms of uh, the president and trade uh, and some things that I saw overnight that I think are interesting. Um, but I got a question here on Facebook from uh, Nick Wyland, uh, city council candidate and guest on the program, frequent guest. He said, uh, any thoughts about this election cycle up or down? Are people motivated to vote in municipal elections? Do you think the youth vote will show up? What's the split RD&I turnout? Well, I don't know all of that, but I will, I will talk about one part of it, and that is the municipal elections. I think the turnout's going to be uh, quite strong. It's always stronger in the first round than the second round for whatever reason. Uh, maybe some people aren't motivated after their candidate loses, but I would say I would put turnout forty-two percent, which is high. Well, you know what? That's low. That's low. Fifty-five, fifty-five percent. I'm going to say turnout in the municipal election, and then the second round, something less than that, probably around forty-two. So you know, that's what I think. I think there's a lot of energy out for there for that. Um, in terms of the broader elections. Um, obviously there's, you know, there's a lot of discussion about the enthusiasm gap out there, Nick, as you know, uh, and whether or not Democrats, uh, progressives are motivated to turn out for their candidates. Obviously that's been happening to some degree around the country. I don't know if that plays out here or not. Um, turnout for our DNI, I, ah, oh, that's, mm, that's tough. I'm not sure. Those are good questions. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, this this thing. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, so Trump, uh, the president, was at a fundraiser uh, down in Missouri, and he was taped. And the uh, Washington Post got a hold of the transcript or the tape, and they transcribed it. And apparently in the con- some conversations with uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, uh, about trade, uh, you know, the Trump keeps saying that we have a trade deficit with Canada, and we don't. Um, we ran a trade surplus of $600 million in goods and services with Canada in January. Uh, in 2016, we had a surplus with Canada of $12.5 billion, uh, which is according to a fact sheet posted on the website of the Uni- United States Trade Representative. But then there's this fundraiser, and in this tape, uh, Trump says uh, that, you know, well, 
Trump recounted, uh, ignoring the reality of these numbers in a meeting with Trudeau because the, the prime minister was repeatedly pushing back. And he said, and so Trump said, he said, no, no, we have no trade deficit with you. We have none. Donald, please. Mr. Trump, Trump told the donors. Uh, he said he, he, and he called uh, Trudeau a nice guy. Good looking. I said, wrong, Justin, you do. I don't even know, Mr. Trump said. I had no idea. I just said you're wrong. You know why? Because we're so stupid. Well, this is what I don't get about this, okay? So you were wrong about a number. You were wrong about a number. But, it, you know, here we are in the middle of these uh, delicate trade negotiations with our number one trading partner, Canada. You can talk about China all you want, and there are legitimate issues about world trade and China and Asia and everything else, but this is Canada. And it's one thing to get the wrong facts wrong on one occasion. Uh, the President of the United States can't know every detail about everything. I know that happens. But it's quite another to just not care. And then to make matters even worse, once you were wrong, you keep saying it and admit you were doing it wrong. Just, I, that's what I don't understand. This doesn't help Trump. It doesn't help his administration. It doesn't help with the negotiation of NAFTA. And it certainly doesn't help the country or South Dakota. It's not like this is subjective material. Trade numbers are quantifiable. They are easily compared. How are we supposed to proceed with these complicated and delicate negotiations that could so deeply affect our trade, and in particular in South Dakota with NAFTA, when we can't even use the facts that are already available? International relations and politics are plenty full of vagaries, nuance, and obfuscation without throwing out the facts that you do have. How is this doing anything but feeding Donald Trump's self-glorification at all costs? I just, I am completely at a loss why you would do that, except to just be belligerent and just think you're the tough guy in the room. At whose expense? Hmm? That's the bottom line on today's PNL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Shoot me an email. Patrick at KSO.com. Get on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. Always love to talk to people there. Facebook is up and running, and we're taking questions there as well. Coming up after the break, the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, and then that'll be followed by the Boon Man from Somewhere Warm. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 345 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're going to see how this goes. The Boon Man is in for weird friends calling in from, uh, I said parts unknown earlier, but it's actually parts known. It's someplace warm and, and crazy actually right now. Boon Man, do you, uh, you want to tell us where you actually are? Well, I'm, uh, you know, every year I, I try to head out here to the desert southwest to do some charity work for. Um, Orphan? <laughs> right. Oh, wait a minute. That's not, what it, that's not what it is. I'm out here in uh, beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, for the kickoff of March Madness in the uh, NCAA basketball tournament. So I'm, I'm sitting in the luxury skybox at Magassi Sports Stadium. That's uh, that's pretty cool, and it's a pretty great place to be for the kickoff of the tournament, isn't it? Oh, it is, but I'm going to tell you, the knucklehead factor in uh, Las Vegas right now is very high. Because <laughs> everybody, all the knuckleheads come in from all around Jack the country. Knuckleheads. Yeah. But there are, surprisingly, a lot of Jackrabbit fans out here. And you're and watching the game right now? I am watching the game. It's not a commercial break right now. And the, and the rabbits are down a little bit. And I know that doesn't hurt you at all. That doesn't break your heart. No, it doesn't. Well, you know. No, it yeah, doesn't. Sure. Let's cheer a little bit for the home team. Yeah, but it only that only goes so far when you're a Coyote fan. That's right. And how? What? What's the damage? What's the update from uh, the floor in Vegas? Uh, you know, it's a commercial break right now. What, what's the score right now? Down, they're only down three, twenty-nine, twenty-nine, twenty-six. Oh, okay, that's and, not uh, terrible. Yeah, it's maybe maybe a third of the first half left, so a few minutes left. So, but so, earlier today, wow. Uh, I went up to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Yeah. And I drove two uh, exotic sports cars. One was the uh, uh, the uh, Nissan GTR, 
Which, you know, it's a nice car. It's about $100,000. It gets decent mileage. <laughs> um, you know, 16 in town, 22 on the highway. 565 horsepower. Oh. It goes. What'd that feel like? Uh, it, uh, it, it was great. It, it's a very heavy car, surprisingly, you know, for the size. Yeah. It's a front engine, uh, rear, rear drive. Um, it's uh, it, it's great, but but compare that to the other car that I drove. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari four eighty eight GTB. Awesome. Uh, that's about a $250,000 car. 660 horsepower. Oh. That, so that did you was get, an awesome car. <laughs> did you get to drive it around the speedway? Is that how that works? It's a, it's a road track at the speedway. So it's a seven-turn road track with 11-degree bank. Uh, most of the turns are 11-degree bank, but there are a couple flat turns. The hairpins are flat. And... Uh, you have a professional driver with you who's kind of calling out. It's got, it's got pedal shift on the steering wheel, up on the right, down on the left. Yeah. And he'll call out brakes, harder, sound shift, up shift. And uh, there's different cones that you They have these cones set up that you kind of target for the turn. You know, go to this cone, then cross to that cone, back to that cone to get through the turn. And, and then as you come out of the turn... You know, he'll they put it to the floor, into the straightaway, and I don't know. In the straightaway, probably uh, I have a video of it. There's, there's an onboard camera that shows the car, and then it's kind of a split screen where where you're at on the track, mm-hmm. and it'll show what your speed is. And so it's got a speedometer on it, but it's in the the tool of the devil, the <laughs> metric system. So I'm going to have to get my. I can have to get my calculator out and figure out how fast it was going. Uh, uh, but, but you know, the one saving grace there is, you know, I was going like 190, 200 kilometers per hour, which yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah. Not quite as cool. I don't know what it, what's 200 kilometers per hour there. 122, 123, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. That's pretty good. Yeah, a lot of fun. So now I don't remember. Would the satellite Sebring do uh, one twenty? It was right around there, the right? Satellite, the smoking satellite, according to South Dakota Highway Patrol, uh, would do one hundred one. <laughs> but I think I was slowing down when he got me. <laughs> was that the seventy three or the seventy four smoking satellite? That was the seventy four smoking satellite with the three eighteen yeah. two barrel. Yeah. How that got going that fast, nobody's quite sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that thing went. That thing went. No, you were jealous, you know. I know if you're dusty, you were jealous of my, of my plaid uh, seat. Yeah, you know. I was. I, the and 70, the, and the, quarter, the quarter vinyl top, the Landau quarter vinyl. Yeah, that was Not sweet. Not to mention the, the underdash aftermarket FM radio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, everything. Well, I tell you what, the 74 smoking satellite could always beat the 70 duster off the line, and I never, <laughs> every time. Well, that was just the rear end. It was yeah. the gearing. Yeah, that's right. It was all gearing. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. You have a videotape of it. So Yeah, we'll get that posted online. That'd be great. Uh, we might have to edit the audio. <laughs> it has audio in it, too. So going around those bank turns... That has to be a really kind of a surreal experience, right? Well, you know, you really don't notice it because it's only 11 degrees. Oh. So it just really helps you. You can go through the turns at a much greater speed. Then you can, that's the flat, the hairpins are flat, so you really have to hammer on the brakes and hammer on the accelerator coming out of it. You really, it's tough to turn uh, on those flat ones. Did you... Uh, so it's uh, not like a NASCAR track. A NASCAR track is really... High bank. Yeah. So. so, did you scare yourself at all? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I drove the Ferrari first, and then when I got in the GTR, it was heavier and harder to brake. I mean, I had to brake it more. It wasn't as light yeah. of a car, so it was a little heavier on the brake and a little heavier on the acceleration. But you know, in those turns, you, know, you can get it get a little squirrely just the back end, swing it out of the turns, and that's a. Uh, it's a high pucker factor in that. <laughs> I uh, I imagine that people do just lose it every once in a while, don't they? 
Yeah, they do in, in, in the instructional thing before you go out on the track. Um, uh, you know, they say if you spin out, you know, your driver, your, your co-pilot will help you, and then we'll have a little discussion and figure out why it was. Mm-hmm. And if it was just a, you know, communication issue, you know, we'll get you back out there. But if it's because you're not listening to instruction, uh, then thanks for coming. You're done driving. <laughs> thanks so, for the contribution. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're out of here. But when they took us around for two laps uh, in a Porsche Cayenne, you know, the, the yep. sport utility vehicle. Yep. I was scared <laughs> in the Porsche Cayenne because <laughs> it, it was a professional driver, and he was driving it like a sports car. I mean, right. he was driving that Porsche Cayenne really fast. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, how long? The, so, how long are the laps? How long did you actually get to drive? It's five laps. You know, once you once you get out, you do five laps. I get to do six on one because because you do. There are other cars on the track. Oh, so. We, we kind of hit a bit of a slowdown where I passed a couple of cars and then a car passed me and, you know, we kind of had to slow down because of the traffic. So we said, we'll do an extra lap. But it's about, you know, a lap time at good speed is maybe a minute and a half. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's eight or ten minutes. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Could have been longer, though. I suppose it was hard to get out of the car. Oh, it's hard to get out of the car because I don't bend in the middle very well. <laughs> Other than that, no, it wasn't. Actually, it was, uh, yeah, no, it was, I, I would have gone, I, I I was ready to get out after five miles. Oh, really? It, it wow. I, I was soaking wet with sweat. <laughs> I mean, it is just, it is, and I had the air conditioning on, you know, full blast, but it was, it's just tense. It is tense. That's awesome. That is, it's not my car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not the Fordzilla, that's for sure. You know, I have six cars in a house, and I don't think if you add them all together, they're worth as much as that car. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> that's pretty good. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, before I let you go, do you have a punchline for us at all? Oh, uh, um, uh, I do. And the punchline is, look, lady. If I don't have nuts, do you really expect me to have dates? <laughs> I don't know that one, but it's funny. Uh, Boone Man oh, calling in you. calling in from Vegas. Uh, thanks for the uh, report on the game and the driving. That was cool. It's currently 38-32, Ohio State's up. Three minutes and 50 seconds left in the first half. Right on. Thanks for the update, my friend. Let's go, Rabbit. <laughs> Stop it. We'll talk to you next week. Have fun. All right. Bye. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally show, we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna listen to some Irish music because it's St. Patrick's Day. And then after the break, we are going to have the Grand Marshal of the St. Patrick's Day parade in with us in studio, and that is Patrick Michael Murphy. And he has been in I think I think that the the literature says all but one. Every all but one St. Patrick's Day, he's been in the parade. So that's, I think this is the 39th. So he's been, this is his 38th parade out of 39. That's pretty impressive. That's quite a hit rate. Yeah. That, I was in a lot. I had a good streak, but then not like that. I mean, like till I was, you know, 16. <laughs> but not anymore. Not I've been in a few. Uh, and then we're going to have Janet Brecky in. She is a uh, candidate for city council. And we'll chat with her about what her vision is for our fine community. That's all coming up next. After the break on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty nine on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And this is the Pogues.
And of course, I play this song quite often, the first little part of it. And the Pogues uh, really revolutionized the sort of fusion, Irish fusion with punk and rock. Led to a whole new generation of Irish musicians and Irish-American musicians. This record then really made them famous. I believe this is the one that was uh, produced by Joe Strummer of The Clash, if I remember that correctly. And this is the song that a lot of people know from the Pogues in this record. But they've, they have some fabulous, fabulous music. Uh, I think I've played uh, Thousands Are Sailing on this program before, which is just a great immigrant's tale. And that's, uh, we're coming up to the end of, uh, here we are. Yeah, so I thought of what I'd do in this uh, little time we have, in this little break, uh, is to just play uh, some music for you that I like, some of which you've heard uh, on this program uh, in little bits and pieces. Uh, and for whatever reason, you know, it's, it's St. Patrick's Day, obviously, and I just, I love Irish music and I love traditional Irish music and uh, mo- the modern music. And, you know, there are, there's uh, bands that are Irish that you wouldn't know are Irish that are just great. There's some awesome uh, acts out there. I had a friend of mine uh, from Florida sending me some videos the other day of bands that I had forgotten, called, one called Something Happens, which was a great Irish band. Um, but you know, it's always fun to go back to the traditional stuff. And there's really two, two genres of traditional Irish music, big ones, rebel songs and drinking songs. So, uh, the, uh, and I think I got, I got a drinking song later, but this is one that I've been playing and singing quite a bit lately. You've heard me, uh, sing this in the background, uh, not well by any means, but, it's a it is a true rebel song. Uh, it's an IRA song. If you are if you're a unionist, I'm sorry, uh, but this is this is a song born of uh, of the Irish Revolution, and and um, it's it's a good one. Uh, this is the Irish Descendants with "Come Out Ye Black and Tans." <laughs> And, uh, of course, uh, the Black and Tans were Irish soldiers, many of them from World War I, who were loyal to the crown and uh, much reviled among the rebels. And we'll be playing some more Irish music here after the break because we've got Patrick Michael Murphy with us who is the Grand Marshal of the Parade. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
358 and a half on the Patrick Lally Show. State's tied with the Ohio State. Jackrabbits are tied. 43-43 and a half. There, that's your public service announcement. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSO. Oh, no, brave boys. We're on for marching up to Portugal. 406 on the Patrick Lally Show. And I promised you uh, we were playing Irish rebel songs uh, earlier. This is clearly from the other end of the spectrum. Irish drinking song. This is the Clancy Brothers, Whiskey, You're the Devil. In honor of my uh, guests, uh, Patrick Michael Murphy, who is the Grand Marshal of the St. Patrick's Day Parade uh, Saturday, and with him, Dick Murphy, who is a noted downtown merchant and uh, on the board, the organizing committee of uh, the parade. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Oh, Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Patrick Murphy. You, uh, how does how does one end up as the Grand Marshal of the parade? It's somewhat of a mystery. Uh, there's a, a group that's composed of members of the Sioux Falls Irish Club and also the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce. I'm not sure who's on that, but they have a a committee that handles all the parade activities and events for St. Patrick's Day weekend. And part of that is selecting uh, a Ms. Shamrock and also the parade marshal. In my particular case, what I found out after the fact was that my daughter Shannon had composed a letter and had uh, also recruited my two sons to add some information to it and submitted it to the committee for my consideration to be the parade marshal. And uh, about a month ago, I got a phone call saying, you have been selected as the parade marshal, which totally caught me off guard because I knew nothing about the fact that my children had submitted this nominating letter on my behalf. That's impressive. So the, the, the literature that I have uh, uh, heralding your appointment uh, says that you have marched in all but one of the 38 parades? Correct. Uh, we've, we've had 38 official ones, and there was one that was considered unofficial, but the very first one in 1980 was a spontaneous one that, that was promoted by Sylvia Henkin on her radio show. And so I still count that. So I, I consider it, uh, I've been in 39, actually I missed one, and that was because my son was involved in a, a state basketball tournament in Rapid City, and so we were in Rapid City rather than here. But we did have Murphys here. <laughs> yeah. So we had Murphys in the parade, but it just wasn't me and, and my family. So Dick Murphy, of course, you own uh, uh, Murphy's uh, Irish Store downtown. Yep, Mrs. Murphy's Irish Gifts. And uh, are you guys, you've got to be related. What's your relationship? We're brothers. Okay. (laughs) Well, I didn't know that for sure. (laughs) We're one one fine Irish family. Yeah, that's right. So how many siblings are in your family? We have another brother that lives in California and a sister that lives in Colorado. So are they all coming back for the parade? Uh, the brother's here already, and my sister couldn't come because there was a death in her family. Her son died. Oh, my And gosh. so that was just last week. And so uh, she was coming until that happened, and so she is not making the yeah. trip. So a uh, big big clan of Murphys is always in the parade. Do you have any idea how many you're going to have? Right now we're looking at 40. So you're going to need more than one car. <laughs> <laughs> or, or something, yes. So you're the, since you're the Grand Marshal, you get to ride in the back of the... How's that going to work? I mean, you're going to incorporate well, it into the Murphy parade part? Right, well, yeah. What I've decided to do is I'm not going to get any convertible. I'm going to march with the family. Ah. And, and I've just figured that's where I belong. Yeah. And so that's where I'll be. Are you... Uh, uh, you got cars making a float? What are you doing? We've always had floats, you know, yeah. and it, it, there's always been some creation. Sometimes my dad would uh, come up with an idea on the night before the parade. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one year he wanted to do a, a, a rainbow, and he, and he, mm-hmm. he said, uh, yeah, we've got some, some fishing string, and we'll do some crepe paper. And I said, Dad, that, that's not going to stand up there. <laughs> and he paused and th- thought for a minute and said, well, I came up with the idea. You guys figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Yeah, we <laughs> we put it together, but it it was kind of pathetic. Uh, we still talk about it. We have pictures of it, and my family just looks at it and says, "I can't believe we really put that out there." And, yeah, and, as a representation yeah. of the family. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, families in the parade is a is a big tradition and really the backbone of the whole um, operation. Do you have any idea how many families typically are in there? 
I would say we're looking at probably in the neighborhood of about eight to ten families that have been per- mm-hmm. consistent about trying to be in the parade a number of years. Some have been there almost every year, like the O'Hares and the Grogans, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, there's other ones that I've, you know, over the years, the, the Garys, the McCollars, the uh, McGinnis, uh, different ones that have been in the parade, mm-hmm. but not every year. Yeah. Are you the largest, do you think? The Grogans have a lot. Grogans have a lot of kids. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> that's right. There's just too many it, of them. It's really kind of a toss-up between the O'Hara's and the Grogans. Yeah. They, yeah. they generally get about 100. Oh. Yeah. And I heard from the Garys this year that they plan to have 150. You're kidding me. Yeah. They, well, that's a parade all in of itself. It is, they yeah. said that they're really making a concerted effort to have a family reunion this year and have 150. That's pretty awesome. We're going to come right back with uh, Patrick Michael Murphy and Dick Murphy, brothers, one of whom is the Grand Marshal of the parade. That's Patrick. One of whom owns Mrs. Murphy's Irish Gifts downtown. That's Dick. And uh, we're going to talk more about the parade and the details and what you got to do to get involved. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Oh, Foggy Do, a classic Irish rebel song from way back. That's the Wolf Tones version. Wolf Tones, who played in downtown Sioux Falls probably three times? Wow. I saw them at the old Skelly's, which is now Pave. Uh, really a transform- transformational moment for me. They were awesome. Anyway, that's a, a Foggy Do. It's a really... A, old tried and true irish song and we are talking with a couple of tried and true irish gentlemen here as well uh we've got patrick michael murphy who is the grand marshal of the saint patrick's day parade in studio with us and dick murphy who is his brother and owner of mrs murphy's irish gifts so the parade dick um is when give us the details well it's this saturday if you uh gather at the uh at the bank uh, 9th and phillips we're going to be doing the proclamations that's that's part of the the whereas is we get the uh the grand marshal given their their walking stick so they can uh, march us through the parade and then we we have miss shamrock there and we'll give her 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 crown and then off we go outside at 11 o'clock to do the painting of the shamrock very much a tradition that we've all gathered around with the pipers and and with our brooms painting that green shamrock right there then, as you can imagine, we're going to have it all a little bit of lunch, and then we'll we'll, we'll meet up at uh, 13th Street and Phillips. So we're up around the Washington Pavilion where we'll stage our floats, and then we'll get ready to uh, have the parade start at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock, and it goes from 13th Street all the way down Phillips all the way to 5th Street. And you've assured me that all the snow will be melted by the time the parade starts. Absolutely. We 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 got we got everybody thinking green, so you know that's going to bring a little springtime to us here. Yeah, absolutely. Pat uh Pat Murphy, um you're the Grand Marshal. Uh, do you have some everlasting memories of one parade or another? What's the what's the thing that has stuck with you? Is it a scene, something you couldn't believe, uh something overwhelming? Well, there's been several. Uh, In 1990, our dad died just a week before St. Patrick's Day. And so we had really hoped he would uh, survive his cancer just for that time period so we could get him in one more parade, but it didn't happen. So what we did, we borrowed a horse from McCrossin's Boys Ranch, and we had a saddle on it. We put an Irish flag over it, Mm. and we walked that horse in the parade, kind of symbolic gesture for dad, who couldn't be with us anymore because he was kind of the one that ramrodded all this for us for years and years as far as getting us enthused and you know, making sure we uh, went to the parade every year and that we participated in it and looking at our Irish her- heritage and our ancestors and where they came from and everything. So it was that one stands out for me in, in particular. Uh, another one was, in my case particularly, uh, my youngest son, who's now a fire captain here in Sioux Falls, uh, Michael, uh, was born 11 days before the parade, but we had him in the parade. Hmm. And so uh, we bundled him up and <laughs> just said, you know, you're going to be indoctrinated, and here you are. And so he was in the parade 11 days old. And so that was another one that stood out in my memory. Uh, we had one other one where Dick's uh, wife's parents flew over from England to be in the parade. And so that was another one that always has some special significance because they made the effort to come all the way from England to be in the parade because they had some Irish heritage and they wanted to be a part of this in Sioux Falls. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Dick, of course, you're very busy down there uh, during this period of time. Your store is right on Phillips Avenue, right on the parade route. Um, 
what's it like uh, in your store leading up this this period leading up to St. Patrick's Day? Well, you, you you speak to the countdown, and it's kind of that anticipation, and that and uh, there's people coming in that we see every year, and it's just fun to to visit with them. It's it's a real family atmosphere at Mrs. Murphy's, and and proves it every day. There's people that uh, share their stories about having gone back to Ireland. They talk about their family. It, it's been one of the most rewarding. Uh, businesses for me to have been in for for this period of time of our life and we've we've been there 20 years now so you're you, kidding me yeah so you know we, we actually have that many families that have grown up in that period of time uh pat will speak to it and i can speak to it uh in my own family i've got nine grandchildren we didn't have any grandchildren when we started <laughs> things have really changed well, well murphy's are prolific as all <laughs> That, that continues today. Generational things, some things don't change. Um, what's what do people buy? What, what's your most popular items down at the store? You know, it's it's not just the uh, green hat or, or some beads or something to, to wear. It, it, they buy nice gifts. I've mm-hmm. really been surprised about that every year. And uh, it's it's there's belief uh, china. There's 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 fine Aaron sweaters. There's there's all kinds of of traditional gifts of Ireland that people seem to enjoy giving to their own family members. I, that, that surprised me because I thought it would be a lot more the, the, uh, the things for the parade and that. We do still you, have those. But yeah, <laughs> you, a little bit. Do you, but do you, um, do you worry sometimes about, I mean, the parade is, is fun and, and St. Patrick's Day across the country is a thing, but do you worry about losing that touch? Because you do have a lot of really cool traditional um, uh, pieces there, whether it's jewelry or... Uh, what have you, uh, furniture, uh, not furniture, but home furnishings and things of this nature. Uh, Is there a difference in your mind between the day of wearing the green and some of these elements of more traditional Irish culture? Yeah, I think, you know, on the day of that, we have uh, five Mrs. Murphy's that come in that day to do the store because we're in the parade. Yeah. And so we we have always uh, enjoyed uh, both worlds, you know, being a part of our tradition of, bringing Irish gifts to, to, the, to the area and also being in the, the parade itself. Do you guys think, and either one I can answer this, that, uh, you know, the sort of uh, roots of being Irish-American are now uh, very, very distant. We're going up on it'll, 150 years since, really, since a, a mass immigration started. Is it, have we lost that real connection or, and it, to the point where it's just myth and 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 because you guys are, you know, you're getting up there. I, even I'm getting up there. Do you think that uh, your children, your grandchildren, will share this sort of uh, connection to the culture of Ireland as much as you guys do? I I think they are. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at, um, you know, we got a lot of people doing their DNA testing, and that's kind of renewed their interest in their in how how much Irish they are, and it's been fun to listen to people's stories. But more so than that, it, it is, as you said, it's, it's about who we are as a culture, the things that define us. People are, who uh, think of the Irish, uh, they have been to Ireland, that, that talk about how generally warm and welcoming they are when, when they go back there. Well, the Irish people are, are, have a tendency to be very optimistic in, in, in part, and, and that attitude is very pervasive in, in the people I meet. And, and it's kind of nice to, to think of as a culture. They share the music. They, they share the food, the, the, the appreciation for Irish dance. These are cultural things. These are things that they, they're very uniquely Irish, and they're very proud of that. And, and it goes on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. The Irish club that, uh, that we, we are part of um, uh, is part of making sure we bring that, some of that culture to the area. So it's not all green beer and funny hats. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, Patrick Michael Murphy, he's the uh, uh, Grand Marshal of the parade. Um, what do you, have you thought about what it's going to be like to make that turn and look down Phillips Avenue? I've got some photos at home of some recent parades where we've actually taken that photo. And it's, it's just kind of spellbinding in a way because you look down there, it's just a sea of color. You've got all these individuals lined up on both sides of the street waiting to see the parade. And to me, it's always been rather remarkable that this many people are willing to come out to watch a bunch of families and different businesses and whatnot parade themselves down Phillips Avenue. So to me, I've never quite lost that awe of the fact that that many people are willing to come and see us. 
and be a part of this event. Uh, we, we certainly hope that it continues. And I think it's, it's kind of the fact that we try to focus on the families. And the theory is that, you know, we want people to spend more time with their families. And in my particular case, my family, if there's any other day of the year, we, a lot of times we don't get together for Christmas because of conflicts of work and whatnot or weather. Mm-hmm. But this is the one day of the year that we sincerely make an effort for all of us to be home. That's awesome. Uh, Patrick Michael Murphy and Dick Murphy, They uh, Patrick is the Grand Marshal of St. Patrick's Day Parade. Dick is the owner of uh, Mrs. Murphy's Irish Gifts, and they'll be in the parade on Saturday. Two o'clock is the big parade start. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Oh, all the best. We appreciate well, your, your time. Thank we're, you. We're going to go out with a little foggy dew, and uh, we'll see everybody downtown on Saturday, right? Absolutely. With your green on. Absolutely. <laughs> Schlancha, everybody. Schlancha. And we will be back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, with Janet Brecky, counselor, city candidate for city council. Got that out. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We take you out with Foggy Dew. Three four thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we are joined now by Janet Brecky. She is a candidate for city council in your fine city of Sioux Falls in the at-large, B-at-large A, one of the at-larges. Uh, Janet, thanks for coming in today. Uh, <laughs> a, at-large A, I'm getting the signals. Uh, uh, Janet, uh, thanks for being here. And uh, you're, you're a little under the weather, but you're going to fight through this, right? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I think it's all that handshaking. I y- caught a cold somewhere. Oh, absolutely. So just a little bit of background on you. Um, people probably remember you as city attorney. When were you city attorney? I was, it would have been 1983 through 2002. I Long think. time. Yeah, 18 years. Uh, um, and so... But you, before that, uh, obviously, you are a lawyer. Uh, that wasn't your first job. Yeah, my first job was I was a deputy state's attorney for Minnehaha County, and I did that for four years. Yeah, what was that like? That was a very intense period. Um, I was the only female prosecutor at the time. It was when sexual abuse and domestic assault came out of the closet, and I tried 25 jury trials in three and a half years. Oh, wow. So I popped out of that four-year period. A very experienced trial lawyer. Yeah, and did you go to the city then, or when did you go? What did I you went do straight between? to the city then. Okay. Um, they were offering a full-time city attorney position. They were in the process of phasing out their part-time mm. contracted city attorneys and actually starting the city attorney's office, which I actually started the city attorney's office. Oh, you were the first full-time city attorney. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. That was under Joe Cooper. That far back. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you then left city employ, and what did you do after that? I opened Honey Baked Ham Company and Cafe, started it from scratch, grew it into a nice little business, and then just sold it a year ago, July. And just in time to run for city council, yeah. right? So 13 years. Wow. <laughs> you, you don't do anything for very short periods of time, do you, Janet? <laughs> when um, I get into it, I'm all in. <laughs> uh, let's hit some issues here. Um, you, uh, being a, a former um, prosecutor and city attorney, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about crime. It's become... I don't want to say it's the issue because it's not the biggest issue, but it comes up. It comes up in every conversation with anybody about city government. There is a general perception, I think, that crime is on the rise in Sioux Falls. And there was a a story not so long ago that said we were the second highest increase in violent crime over the last five five years. And everybody took that to mean we are the second highest crime rate in the country. And that's just not true. What is the state of our Uh, should we be worried in this community about our public safety? For me, it's the number one issue, and it's not that we should be worried, but we're at the beginning of a a serious problem. And so we really need to deal with it right now before it does get out of hand. And we need to view it more than just guns and badges. It's not about beefing up our police department, because if we beefed up our police department, every city in the country would just do that if that worked. But it's about fighting crime on all fronts, And there's some very subtle ways that you can fight crime. For me, it's about community policing programs. It's about um, taking care of and nurturing your neighborhood improvement programs and getting those neighborhoods, those deteriorating neighborhoods, um, up into a a really viable state. The more that you can do that, that's one of your best defenses to gangs, the entry of gangs, and of drug violence into your community. They will attack your weakest neighborhood, and they will take it over. 
So one of the things that I'm proposing is a new neighborhood improvement program that raises our deteriorating neighborhoods up to higher than minimum standards, which is what our current programs are. I know because I wrote them back in the 90s, and that's what they were designed to do. I want to do this because if we can do that, I think that's going to be one of our best defenses to, you know, letting gangs and drugs have a root location in our city and actually, you know, starting to take over a neighborhood. What does that mean when you say um, above minimum standards? Uh, you know, that's those are just words. What does that mean? Well, minimum standards, it talks about minimum code standards. And it, it really, I think what that does, again, it's just, it's sort of the minimum things that a city requires before they go in and write you up for anything. What I'm talking about is the city going in in a new way and instead of minimum standards, the city goes in and creates the minimum standard, but then works with the private sector to, to dress up, spruce up, clean up, and raise it up to this even higher level and do the kinds of things that I think will actually create a sense of community in the neighborhoods. There are some people who just who will bristle at that because they already think the city gets too much involved in their business in terms of how their property looks and, and whether or not they trim their trees and all these things. That don't have, these people have nothing to do with crime. Um, at what it's it sounds like, and I want you to explain this more. What's the difference between going in and, and telling uh, normal citizens that they got to clean up their house more than they they like to, and fighting crime, which is keeping criminal element out of a neighborhood? What's the difference there? How I see it is a public private partnership. That's why I see it different from the current programs that we we have in place. I see the city going in and doing the governmental piece, the things that cities do, like like um, trim trees and make you maintain your sidewalks, actually city maintain the sidewalks and, you know, and um, waive the assessments on a given, you know, neighborhood on a given time. And then going in a joint probably, a, a joint uh, situation with um, business, uh, uh, nonprofits, churches, those kinds of organizations to help do the things, the helping hand kinds of things that, that government can't do. And if you get that, and I've been talking to several large businesses and, and several churches and, and nonprofits and, and, and uh, service clubs, they're extremely interested because they understand what it has to do on the, on the crime prevention aspect. And so if we can help those people out um, by doing the things that they just like to have done, that it's not that they're not doing them because they're lazy, it's because they don't have the funds. We ab- we absolutely know that the you know the discrepancy between the high end salaries and the low end salaries are just such right now in this country, that people just can't you know they can't maintain their properties, and so this helping hand concept um, is a benefit to the entire city. And when business and churches and nonprofit service clubs understand that that's what they're doing, um, and they're willing to connect with their neighbors and do that in a neighborly way, um, it has a really huge impact. So. How does that fight, you, you brought up uh, gangs and drugs, and we know that the driver of uh, our violent crime increase, such as it is, is related to drug use, uh, whether that's prescription drug use or uh, abuse or uh, actual uh, narcotics of an illegal sort. How does that, does that have anything to do with uh, trying to push back against drug use, illegal drug use, and if not, what does? Meaning you can make all the clean houses, you can clean up all the neighborhoods you want, but that doesn't take away people's desire to use illicit drugs and it doesn't cure addiction. What, how, do you, how do those things work together? You're not going to reduce crime without reduced drug use. That was a long question. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm how gonna, do they work? T- I'm going to dive off into a different place. One of the things, just kind of two answers back you know talking about the the neighborhood improvement programs it has to do with communication all of a sudden when the city comes in in a kinder gentler way with less muscle and more compassion and the the public sector comes in and helps then all of a sudden you open up channels of communication and you have the ability to create communities so that's part of the piece but now you've dovetailed off into another another thing because well, i've talked about fighting crime on all fronts and the other front that i'd like to fight it on is in the arena of addiction and mental health. Um, our government institutions, particularly in the criminal world, you know how we treat our mentally ill and our addicts are completely adequated, and we actually guide people into that system and turn them into criminals when they're actually ill or have a disease. And that's not controverted. 
I mean, in the medical field and in the mental health industry, there's no controversy about the fact that these things are diseases and illnesses, but it's how we treat them. We actually just doom them to failure by, by institutionalizing them and then create situations where they become lifetime criminals. Now, And a lot can, of that's the state's neglect. There is a neglect by the state of South Dakota in terms of helping people who have mental illnesses who cannot pay for the treatment, and a lot of those people do end up in the criminal justice system. And what is the city going to do to make the state get involved when they're shipping people up from the human services center in taxis, which is documented when they'll only take one uh, 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 assessment for mental illness out of the criminal justice system, out of the county per month, which is documented when we're putting limits on that. What is the city of Sioux Falls going to do to finance a mental health system that is going to take into all those things into consideration? You're right. Again, you're, you're tying into exactly where I'm going because how I see this, I do see it as a city, state, county-wide project, but I do also see it as a huge opportunity. We happen to live in a community that has two fabulous medical institutions. What better place to redesign our government systems to create a model for the country than Sioux Falls? Avera is full. The Behavioral Health Center is full. They, just, they just announced their new addiction center new will addiction be full center. the day it opens. <laughs> I'm going to back up. Okay. okay. Just, <laughs> well, you know what? We need to take a very short break. And it's, sure. very, it's very important. We're going to take a very short break. And we're going to come back and talk about it again. Okay. Sure. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 449 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we're back with Janet Brecky, uh, candidate for city council in the uh, at-large A election April 10th. And... What's going to happen now is I'm going to quit giving my opinion about these issues because I get really mad about it. And Janet, I want you to tell me how these things, how addiction, crime, education, workforce, tell me how that all works together and how you think as a city councilor you can make a difference. The most succinct way that I can explain it, and it's one of those issues that requires more time, but the most succinct way I can, can uh, discuss it is that we need to reclaim our mentally ill and our handicapped and turn them back into the people. We need to steal them back from the illnesses and diseases that they have. And it needs a full redesign of the entire system. And you've got to start somewhere. And I, I, as a city councilor, have a plan and an idea, and I've talked to all the stakeholders and they said, you aren't a crazy woman. That's actually a good idea. So I'd like to try to work on that issue. Um, it may look completely different, you know, but I want to be a voice piece for it because a lot of people like you and like me are really angry and upset about why this is happening. Because if you can do it, if, if you can do this, if you actually can redesign your governmental institutions so that they look more like hospitals for those people who have to serve in them and less like jails, for those people, then all of a sudden you can reclaim those people into your society, and it has this marvelous trickle-down effect where you, you also reclaim their children, because these are not our black-and-white chain-gang con convicts of the past. These are our mothers, our daughters, our brothers, our sisters, our husbands, our wives, and we're losing them. To we're addiction. Them to addiction and to a faulty system. And mental illness. And so to shorten our conversation, the big thing is here, start the dialogue, start the changes, and we have puzzle pieces and we have the puzzle solutions because of who we are and how we do things in South Dakota. We might just be able to set, you know, to set a model example here in this city, in this state, but it is a city, state, county issue, but I'm willing to tackle it. And where can I get more information about your idea? If, I, if people, where, where can I go look? Do you have this website, Facebook, somewhere where I can get more information about that? You can contact me, at okay. my, you know, at, at my, in my cell phone, 359-7467, or you can go on my website, and I actually have some 90-second videos, and you can listen to those. Um, there's about 10 of them, and, and it, I, do, I do discuss this issue in one of them. And what's the website? And that is JanetBrecky.net. JanetBrecky.net, and there's two Ks in there. And we'll put it up on our Twitter feed, at P. Lally Show. I'm sure Dan the Man Peters back there in the booth is going to do that for us. Um, briefly. Um, let's touch on something else. Growth. Uh, growth doesn't pay for itself. Uh, how do we, how do we change or do we need to change the way we plan this city? 
I think we do. Um, I think we need to focus more on the core and filling in the blanks in the core and grow from the inside out. And I know that's kind of a, a unique way of thinking about it, but you know we could grow horizontally forever because we have land mass forever in South Dakota, but that doesn't make it the right way to do it. When you grow that way, you have just an enormous obligation over time for the streets and the sewers. You know, after all those things, all those bonds have been paid off and, and the developers have made their money, the city still has miles and miles and miles. So I think we need to think more concentrated and, again, focus on those missing teeth in the center and our center neighborhoods and our core neighborhoods and making them communities like I talked about and keeping a really strong core and focus on fundamentals. Enough of building monuments. Right now, we need to focus on infrastructure. We need to focus on our growth problems like our crime and our diversity issues. We need to focus on those things. If we do those things well, we'll create a safe, diverse, clean city, and the opportunities will come. Janet Brecky, uh, we're going to have you back because this is not your only opportunity to speak to the, to the voters out there. So we'll, we'll get another chance. We'll actually hit some other issues. I really appreciate you being here today. Janet Brecky is... The is a candidate for the at-large A position on your city council in the April 10 election. And uh, that's right around the corner. Uh, Janet, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. We're going to finish up here in just a moment on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. <sighs> Taking some deep breaths. I'm better now. I'm better now. Love having love love talking policy, and I appreciate Janet Brecky coming in. But don't forget this Saturday, tenth annual pause to celebrate six to eleven at the Hilton Garden Inn downtown Sioux Falls. It's a benefit for the Humane Society. There'll be great food, live music, live and silent auctions, and more. It's always the and more that makes a night special. Tickets are 60 bucks, but it all goes to Humane Society. SFHumaneSociety.com for more information. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Jim Whitcomb. He's with the South Dakota Small Business Development Center. We're going to talk about small business. Smart cyclist Michael Christians will be in, and we're going to talk more about growth. And Thea Miller-Ryan of the Outdoor Campus. Snakes, people. We're going to talk about snakes. I hope you'll join us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.